This is the Senior Living Truth Series podcast, where we have candid conversations about complex issues facing today's mature adults. No sales pitch, only the truth. I'm Dr. Nikki Buckaloo. Welcome to the show. Good morning, good morning. All right. Thank you guys for graciously sitting on the interior. That's very helpful. We actually have a photographer today. Where's Taylor? Taylor, wave at everybody over here. Say hi, Taylor. All right. Yes, if you're not seeing things, Taylor has pink hair. Yes, she does. It's lovely. All right. She's one of these creative types that you, you may see her next week, and she may have different hair. I, she just does that. And every time I see her, she's a little bit different. But always fun and very talented, and we're glad to have her. Um, she is with Spark Creative, which is a, uh, uh, Chris, what would you call them? A marketing firm? PR firm? Marketing? Yeah. And they do some work for us for the Senior Real Estate Institute, which is our training and coaching company that we do uh, trainings around the country for real estate agents. And so she's shooting some photos for us today for some products that we have that we sell out in the marketplace. Um, and if you guys don't mind, uh, she's going to be taking some shots today. And you may find yourself uh, online on the Senior Real Estate Institute website. If you absolutely do not, uh, because you're in the witness protection program and you don't want to be online, you will need to let us know so that we can make sure you don't make it online. Otherwise, you might very well show up there, okay? We promise we will only choose flattering pictures of you, uh, all of that stuff. So, uh, and our sponsors in the back, how many of you uh, got a chance to visit with some of our sponsors today? Can we give them a round of applause and appreciate them? Last, uh, this last one on Tuesday on the south side, we still did our event, even though you know we had rain and weather the night before. And these guys, some of them, I think, uh, drove through uh, some pretty yucky stuff to get there from way up north and way out west. And so we appreciate them for that. Um, I will tell you before I forget that I saw several of them have. Uh, handouts about today's topic. Regardless of what they do for their business or their organization, they have some handouts about home health and in-home care. So if you haven't been back there for that reason, be sure you pick those up. And then, of course, our panelists will be at that back table there. So we have uh, Center Home Health and Providence will be back there. We also have a special guest today, um, Anna Farha. Stand up, Anna. Everybody look that direction. Wave at Anna. Say hi, Anna. State Insurance Department, yes, Medicare Assistance Program. Many of you are familiar with them. She's spoken on panels with us before. And the reason we asked her to be here is because she uh, can answer some of those questions about what does Medicare pay for or not pay for as it relates to our topic today. She won't be on the panel, but she's here standing ready in case we have a question that comes up for her. And uh, I would encourage you to go back and visit with her as well. Um, so thank you, Anna, for being here. Uh, you know, it's interesting, Henry, uh, Lyle Henry, who was a volunteer of theirs, and uh, he came to the one on Tuesday, and he asked me, he said, Nikki, you're a real estate agent. Why in the world are you doing a seminar on home health and in-home care? And I thought, well, that's a valid question. And the answer is this. I mean, we have met with multiple, multiple people about their decision to stay put or move, and many people want to gather information, which 
is why you come to these things, right? And they're trying to figure out, well, if I am going to move, when should I move? And if I do move, what are my options? And how am I going to be able to stay independent for the longest amount of time? Isn't that what we're all shooting for? Yeah. Right? How to have that, right? And so in-home care and home health comes into play a lot. And so I had made it kind of my mission to learn as much as I could about it so that I could be informed and I could pass that information on to people. Well, as I was having conversations with our sponsors about this, I'm like, well, I don't know anything. I thought I knew a lot. And I, there's a lot of stuff I didn't know. How many of you feel like you're in uncharted territory? Yeah. So that's why we're doing it. Um, and that's why they're here. And so wherever you live, whatever your decision is about uh, where you're going to, if you're going to stay in Oklahoma City, if you're going to move out of the state, and that kind of thing, you have to know what are the resources available to us as individuals to be as healthy as possible. Matter of fact, I came up with a new mantra. Uh, I tried it out with the group uh, in the South location. <clears throat> and instead of, I, instead of your mantra being, I'm not going to go to a nursing home, right? Which happens to be a lot of people's mantra. But did you know that the brain doesn't register negatives, like words like don't and can't and won't? You know what the brain registers? The positives. So what it actually hears you saying when it says, I won't go to a nursing home, what are you actually saying to your brain? I'm going to a nursing home. So the goal is to stop saying that and focus on a positive mantra. So how about this one? Let's try this one on for size. I'm going to surround myself with people who can help me live the best life possible. Doesn't that sound better? Yeah, so say it with me, ready? I'm going to surround myself with people who will help me live the best life possible. Yay! New mantra. Okay, so we're gonna have our, our panelists come up here and, uh, and share with us some great information. So while they're making their way up, um, you guys come on up. While they're, while they're making their way up, I'm going to do a quick little video. I know last time we did a picture. Some of y'all made it on Facebook. Did you know that? You probably didn't know that. All right, Taylor, we're going to do a little, a little quick video here because everybody in the world, because we made national news, thinks that we're underwater, right? So what we're going to do is we're going to do a video, and on three, you guys are going to say, we are high and dry in Oklahoma City. Are you ready? On three. One, two, three. We are high and dry in Oklahoma City. Woo! Ooh, sorry. All right, loud microphone. All right. You guys made it up here. All right. We are high and dry today. I should have said today. Today in Oklahoma City. All right, how many people, I didn't ask this earlier, how many people are here new, this is the first time to the Senior Living Choice Series, raise your hand. Awesome, great, can we give them a hand? Yay! Thank you for people, right? We still have a lot of new people, so um, all the new people stayed home today because they were worried about the weather. All the, the, I would say you guys are the groupies. The groupies. No, Paula, I wasn't going to say all the old people. <laughs> she said that, that was not me. All right. Uh, just so you guys know, and, and I, I try not to play favorites, but we've been in, in doing these on the north side for almost, well, four, this is our fourth year. And we just started doing it in South Oklahoma City, and so that's kind of a new group to us. So what we need is we need some of
South location and help them understand that this is supposed to be fun. <laughs> and laugh a lot because they're still warming up to us and I think they're still wondering what we're up to. So uh, you guys just, you guys make me happy because we laugh so much when I'm here. So right? Does it make you happy? Yeah. Alright. Okay, so we have Jenny and Kimberly and Jeremy here today, and these are three of the smartest people I know. And especially when it comes to <laughs> let's make sure your microphones are on so I don't make a liar out of you. Testing, testing. Yeah, you're on. Yeah, good. Testing. Hey, you All right. So, uh, if, especially when it comes to medical, healthcare-related stuff, right? Like nursing and in-home care. So I just, I, I learned so much that I wanted to share that with you guys, and so that's what we're doing today. For those of you who uh, have questions, and you will write them down on your notepad. We don't have a handout for you today. You have your eval, and you have a notepad. The notepad is designed for you to write down questions as we go. And then at 11 o'clock or before, we'll start taking questions from the audience, and we'll make sure that we get through as many questions as possible. All right, you guys ready? All right, so Jenny, the first question for you, this is a test. Tell them your name and who you work for, and a little bit about what you do for Accenture. Okay. Well, good morning, everybody. I want to say that Miss Vicki is one of the most intelligent women that we know, and we enjoy working with her because she is a very caring person. And I paid you to say that. And, and she didn't pay me to say that. No, I think you all know that. Anyway, we're yeah. glad to be here and very glad to Lounge. see you. Talk loud, And um, my name is Jenny Massingill, and I work with Accentra Home Healthcare, and I am our Chief Operating and Compliance Officer at Accentra. And what that really means is that I oversee all of our operation. I oversee, ensure that our clinical, our compliance with regulatory, Medicare, all insurances, state regulation, our policies are good for you all and you know, our, all the residents and, and the patients we take care of that you're getting the best outcomes with our clinical care. And so I oversee all operations and we're excited to be here this morning. Okay, so real quick, hang on before you pass it to Kimberly. Accenture offers, tell them kind of the, the scope of what Accenture offers. We're going to go ahead and do that today, too. Okay. Yeah. Accenture, we are a Medicare certified home health care. We offer all kinds of disease management programs um, from cardiac, we have specialized cardiac programs, respiratory, and neuro, physical therapy, speech therapy, occupational therapy. Um, course registered case managers, nurses, and medical social workers. Big we, scope. Big scope. We, we try to help people stay in their home and come back from the hospital and not have to be re-hospitalized and get, you, get uh, patients back to their best quality of life and best functioning. Awesome. Now, one more thing. You guys, I, I, you have no idea how much education goes into some of these roles that when people elevate are elevated up to the level these guys are so bachelor's degree right in nursing <coughs> yes ma'am yeah i graduated from the university of arkansas with my bsn uh we want to tell you but it's been 20 years ago i've been in healthcare for about 25 years i have ran nursing homes residential um, care communities inpatient rehab units behavioral health units Home health and hospice. Home health and hospice has been the biggest part of my career and my passion is home care. Anything we can do to bring to the home for our community is where I put my focus. Awesome. So I, I only put smart people up here, y'all know that. Okay. Kimberly, you're next. Yeah, good morning. Uh, my name is Kimberly Wolinski and I am the Director of Clinical 
clinical services for Providence Healthcare. So I directly supervise all of the clinical staff, the nurses, the therapists, uh, home health aides that are uh, going out to the homes. Uh, I also uh, serve on the leadership team. So when I wear that hat, uh, I participate in some of the business development policies and processes and uh, the less fun side <laughs> of the yeah. business. Um, I also a registered nurse. I've been a nurse for 18 years. Um, started as a nurse's aide, became an LPN, did that for six years, and then went back to school and obtained my RN. Um, majority of my background is uh, either in home health care or medical surgical um, pre and post-op care in the hospital. Uh, but over the 18 years, I have either been uh, full-time or part-time in home health care services. Um, my role as the clinical director also allows me to continue still to be out in the home. So I participate in some on-call, uh, and then back up for my team. So I still get a lot of hands-on, which I very much enjoy. Keeps me fresh and uh, keeps me reminded of what the staff deals with and uh, what you guys are dealing with out in the home. Speaking of which, what uh, Providence, kind of like Jimmy yeah. gave the gamut of what a center does, give us an idea, is it similar, same? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, very similar. Um, just like with a Jenny and Centra, we are a Medicare certified home health agency. Uh, we provide basically the same services, skilled nursing, uh, physical, occupational, speech therapy, social workers, dietitians. Uh, we do also have psychiatric nursing, uh, as well as we have our uh, private care services side that Jeremy manages. Perfect, all right, good deal. Thank you for that. Thank all you. right, Jeremy, uh, you know, I said this on Tuesday and I'm not joking, you're my favorite. Because you're a two-time graduate from Southern Nazarene University. Yeah, all right, so give it your spiel. Well, you know, that's the most important part. Right, that is. Uh, I'm Jeremy Allen. I'm the personal care manager at Providence Home Care. So all that means is I am responsible for uh, building a team of caregivers uh, and then managing those caregivers as they go out to the home and uh, provide care. So on an hourly basis. It's referred to as non-medical care, and we'll kind of talk about the difference here in a little bit. That's why we're all here, right? So, uh, but hey, I Jeremy. Give me a little tip of that microphone for me. There you go. Thank you. Can you hear me any better? Yeah, that's much better. Yeah. 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 Kind of like a, I know, rock star. You gotta yeah. be a rock star. Just <laughs> <laughs> a model, but you know. A model. Yeah. So, so tell, them, tell them what your personal care side of Providence does. Give them a little snapshot of what that looks like. So we provide um, kind of a wide array of services, anything from personal care, which includes you know, bathing assistance or assistance cleaning up in the bathroom, grooming assistance, and then it, it can vary into like housekeeping, um, you know, which is, you know, dusting and vacuuming, things like that. It could be meal preparation, um, meal planning services even, errands, running errands, taking someone to the doctor. So there's just, there's a lot of things that can be included in the personal care side. Um, Perfect, so. beautiful. All right, so did I tell you we got some, some people up here with a breath of, depth of knowledge that they're gonna be able to answer a lot of your questions that you have about this subject matter. So we're gonna talk about some of the things that I thought were new to me, that may not be new to you, but um, one of them is how do, we, how do people pay for these things, okay? So as we talk about this, it might be good to differentiate between what is home health that's paid for by Medicare uh, and other uh, insurers, as well as kind of what that involves. So Jenny, I'm gonna have you talk about what is home health and how is that paid for, typically? Can you lump all that into one? Yes, ma'am. All right. Okay, I think the rock star on. This is a little <laughs> testing up here. That's all. Okay. So the difference is what 
that home health care, Medicare certified, that she, that Kim and I oversee in our agencies is that if it's Medicare certified and you have Medicare, it is paid 100% by Medicare as long as you qualify and meet the, the criteria for homebound status, skilled need, and you have a doctor that will follow you and sign your orders on home health care. It also is covered under other insurances, um, HMOs and, and ETA. They're, they're not 100% always as Medicare, but they, they will provide some of your services under insurance. You have to usually pre-qualify, which we do that for you and let you know, yes, your insurance, Blue Cross Blue Shield, UnitedHealthcare, will give you this many visits um, for inpatient home health care that's skilled and or. Um, so there's multiple different insurances. Medicaid also is covered. However, Medicaid does not cover therapy services such as speech, physical therapy, occupational therapy. And, and that's, that's a challenge for we in home care because we want to get you back to your high level of functioning and therapy is a big part of what we do. However, we still can get you going well, just on the clinical nursing side as well. And that was sure. Medicaid. Was it that was about, Medicaid. Right? Yeah, so all Medicaid. the other insurances will cover all those things. Um, they will not cover some of the services that personal care does, but on that side, it's pay out of pocket. You have to pay for those services such that they consider custodial or personal care. That comes out of your pocket. Um, for a lot of those kind of services, insurance doesn't like to cover those. Um, so let me stop you for a second, and I'm going to shift over to Kimberly and let her speak from the perspective of, uh, I know both of you guys do this, so I know you work, sometimes you go, okay, they need both, right? And Medicare will only pay for, like you said, the skilled part of that, right? So Kimberly, how does that work if somebody needs some help with meals and they need some help with the things that are not necessarily considered skilled? How does that work? <coughs> well. When we go in and do a skilled assessment to determine what the home health care need is, obviously we can identify at that time when there's additional needs that perhaps uh, Medicare or uh, another insurance provider isn't going to cover, and then we can make referrals for that. Uh, obviously there is a cost, like we were talking about majority of the time when you're looking at personal care services, uh, but any good agency is gonna be fully aware of other resources in the community. So uh, we could set you up with somebody who could go over um, whether or not you qualify for some of the private care services and whether or not uh, you're gonna be able to afford those uh, and some other assistance that's out there. There are some uh, long-term care insurances as well as uh, some VA benefits that may cover a certain amount of hours for you for private care services. Okay, so write that down for a second, okay? Take a moment. Because what I just heard you say mm -hmm. is that long-term care insurance may pay for... Yes, some long-term care insurance is have that benefit. They yes. pay for some. Yes, some VA, VA benefits will cover it if you meet their uh, criteria and qualifications. So when you are receiving home health services, if, if you're receiving skilled nursing care or you're receiving physical or occupational therapy, uh, we can provide a home health aid at that time for assistance with uh, bathing. So it has to be personal care. Uh, they, they aren't really able to do a whole lot around the house. They can do some uh, like housekeeping, uh, maybe change your linens for you, those kinds of things. So that benefit is available to you while you're receiving skilled care through a home health agency. 
Okay, so I'm going to stop you. Mm -hmm. What I just heard, and I want to just paraphrase. So let's say we're talking about what both of you just talked about, mm -hmm. skill. So let's use a, a diagnosis or somebody came out of the hospital yeah. for what, mm -hmm. maybe cardiac sure. or stroke, mm -hmm. and they came out and they have skill need. Right. You're helping them with bathing because that's mm -hmm. part of it. Right. But right. then I think, Jenny, you call it they meet their outcome goals. In yeah. other words, they're better enough. Right. So home health, now right. uh, home health on the skilled side, which would be nursing or therapy, is always intended to be a temporary service. So when we come into the home, our goal was always to get you better and to get you back to where you were functionally uh, prior to your illness. So we're going to be in short term. We're going to set up some goals, some nursing goals, some therapy goals, and as we meet those goals and you're ready to be discharged from home health services, then the home health aid services will uh, be discontinued with that. And that's when uh, you could, if you haven't already uh, set up some private care services, that's where Jeremy's team uh, or private care service team can kind of take over and move into the home. They can even continue to help with some medication reminders, and I know Jeremy will go over that, um, and some bathing assistance and some cleaning and those types of things. Okay, so you wanna add that? Yes, um, I want to clarify what skilled need means. It means if you have a wound care that is a complicated wound, or you have need IV, or you need some kind, it has to be a licensed person for Medicare or insurance to pay for your home health care. Um, so therapy, physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech, all of those are skills. Um, so that's always a confusion is what is a skilled need? The other confusion that people have is what's homebound status. You have to be homebound for insurance, for most insurances, especially Medicare type insurances, to pay 100%, you have to be homebound. Homebound means that when, that your, your homebound is your, you leave the house infrequently. When you do leave the house, it's a taxing effort, meaning you have equipment that you need, or you need assistance of another person, or you may have a specialized van. And when you leave, you're not you're not gone very long. It's very intermittent. It's not like you're going out to eat every day. It's not you can go to church, you can go to doctor's appointments, you can go get your hair done, you can go to a wedding for a short period. But it just needs to be a taxing effort to qualify for Medicare or HMO Medicare type insurances. So just to say, it was taxing for me to get up this morning and get here. I'm just saying, you know, I did some stretches, and you know, I had to fix the coffee. That didn't count. Okay, all right, all right. I don't know y'all, but after 40, everything's a little more taxing. I've been told after 60, it's a little more taxing, and some of you just told me after 80, it's a little more taxing. So I'm so excited. <laughs> but they actually have qualifiers for what taxing means, right? Shortness of breath is also one of them. If you, when you're getting ready or when you walk, you become short of breath, that that's homebound. That means you're, it's a taxing effort for you to leave your home. Um, so don't, on that, always just ask questions and let us be the ones to help you with that. And not, I don't want you to get too complicated in it, but I want you to know that, that, is, a, that is a thing. Okay, perfect. So uh, Jeremy, I'm gonna jump over to you on cost for uh, in-home care, private duty, and kind of give them some of the names people call it so that they understand what this actually is, yeah. Sure, yeah, so let's talk about the names first. So. We're, we're gonna refer to it today most of the time uh, as personal care, but the caregiver side of the industry you might hear referred to as private duty, even called home care, caregivers, 
companion, companion care. Yeah. yeah, so there's several names that kind of all mean the same thing. And I'll tell you, you, you may have some friends that will refer to it as home health, but it's really, it, you kind of have to figure out what the, what the service was that they had to decide if it was actually home health, skilled side, or the personal care side. So as far as cost goes, um, in general, you're gonna, you're gonna pay between 20 and $25 an hour for a caregiver to come into your home and provide care. So that's just a, a pretty general range there. If, okay, well, can I ask you, Jeremy, I'm sorry to interrupt, but this sure. is, I, there's a difference between somebody who might get paid 20 versus 25. Is there a certification difference or a level of training difference? Sure, and, and sometimes you'll hear it referred to as a companion um, as opposed to a certified home health aide, or, or you might even hear a certified nursing aide. So those are similar. So the, the companion is someone who has not been certified to provide personal care. And there are programs that certify uh, or that educate a person that's uh, interested in becoming a caregiver, and then they take a test through the state to become certified as a home health aide. And so the companion services typically don't include personal care. So think about if there's something that you need help with where someone has to have physical contact with you or your loved one, uh, then that's likely gonna come from a certified home health aide. And that service is a little bit more expensive. That's gonna be on the, the upper end of that range. Um, and this is just a range. Some are less and some are more. Um, so that's, that's kind of what you're, you're looking at as far as the service. Um, there is, just so you know quickly, there is a, the state of Oklahoma requires a nurse assessment prior to the start of care on the personal care side. So an RN will come out and do an assessment um, and there's usually a cost. Some agencies charge for that and some don't, but it's typically 50 to $75 to have a nurse come out and do that assessment. That's a one-time charge. And then if your caregiver is doing errands for you or taking you places, then typically the agency will charge you mileage as well. Okay, so all of the fees. Now what if somebody needs um, uh, home health care but they don't have Medicare and they don't have insurance? That's where Medicaid comes in, right? And Medicaid doesn't pay, like you said, for people to come in their home for therapies. They have to go out for therapy. Right, right, yeah. Medicaid uh, will only cover skilled nursing and there's only 37 visits a, a, a year. So Say that again, 37 visits a year. Yeah, yeah, and that's nursing only. So there are therapy benefits through Medicaid, but that's only on an outpatient basis. No in-home uh, therapy services are covered. Okay, so last thing before I go to our myths and truths. Uh, you guys talked uh, on Tuesday about uh, preventative home health care as opposed to just the kind you get after you've been in the hospital. So what can people ask their doctor about if they might benefit from something you guys offer that keeps them out of the hospital? What would that look like, Jenny? Okay, this is one of my favorite because it's a misutilized service. Um, you do qualify for home health care. Many qualify for home health care without coming out of the hospital. Um, it, it was put in place to also keep you out of the hospital or keep patients out of the hospital. So if you, if you haven't been feeling well or know someone that's not feeling well, they may automatically, they may qualify. And um, they go to their doctor, they may have got a medication change. Well, that's an indicator that they probably need someone following for side effects, making sure they're taking the medication correctly because medications, once you put that in your system within the first week, you can have some serious problems. So you need someone watching. 
you could be you could be falling and you don't want to fall and get and break your hip and end up in the hospital if you're starting to have dizziness or balance issues or sciatic nerve or your legs giving out all of those things qualify you for preventative type care with home health care we have all kinds of good home health has all kinds of services that are preventative to help keep you and even enhance you to a better state before you have that crisis or that emergency end up in the hospital this is very dear to my heart because I don't want you to have to go to the hospital. Well, and that was what one of my big ahas that day we had lunch. When we were sitting there, you were talking about how if people would utilize home health, mainly the therapies like occupational therapy and physical therapy, to avoid having falls, we might actually have fewer people that need acute post-acute care, right, after the fact. Many medications, the other cool thing about home health care is medication management is one of our strengths. We have tools and eyes and ears and brains ourselves, but we do have tools that run all medications together and they spit out information on what adverse reaction to other medications and even to food. And sometimes falls can be a simple medication issue that's gonna turn really bad, that we can catch. Your, your blood pressure, you may have two drugs that you're taking and you don't understand that one of them's not for your heart, but it could still be dropping your blood pressure along with your cardiac med, and then it's bottoming you out, and you're feeling weak, and you don't feel good, you think you don't have any energy. It's, it's just your blood pressure's low, potentially, and you have orthostatic hypotension, dizziness, and you're gonna fall. We can catch that. Our clinical nurses, our cardiac nurses, are prepared to catch that. Um, we have other kinds of tools. So there's all kinds of things that we look at preventative on our patients, we do a complete head to toe. We do a comprehensive assessment over your safety of your home, your safety of you, your medications, and we're your eyes and ears of the doctor in your home. So they may not necessarily be uh, with that home health nurse for a long period of time. It may be just long enough to make sure that the drug interactions are fine, that their home is safe, that they feel comfortable, and then you guys discharge them. Yes. It's a you have, yes. Uh, to, on Medicare, we have, when we put somebody on home health care, we have 60 days in that first certification period to get you healthy, back to quality of life. But at the at around the 60-day mark, if you're progressive, still doing well, and still improving, and still are homebound, have a skilled need, and have a physician following you, we continue on another 60 days, or maybe another four weeks, whatever it takes, to, for patient-specific care plans and care planning. We, we do that per patient. Everybody's care plan is a little different. It's based on your individual needs. So it's not a perfect, everyone's gonna have a different timeline on home health depending on your disease or your issue. Okay. Kimberly, anything you wanna add to that or Jeremy before we move on? Uh, yeah, so uh, in addition to the therapies are important for preventative, uh, but I think that a lot of times what we see is new diagnoses. So patients that are newly diagnosed with uh, diabetes or newly diagnosed with heart disease, those diagnoses require, in order to manage it, a whole lifestyle change. And so just learning how to change your lifestyle and how to manage things in your home is a big deal. And so well, you, mentioned, you mentioned dietitian. Absolutely. If they're having to change their diet yeah. because of a diagnosis, yes. you guys have people that will come in and train them on how to do Yes, yes. So in addition to the nurses um, and their nutritional knowledge, it, it's really going to be a challenge and it's a little more than what uh, they can help you with. Certainly there are dietitians and other resources available through home health and in the community uh, that 
you could be set up with. But um, again, it's hard to change your lifestyle. It would be hard for me to change my lifestyle. And if you're, you know, 60 years old and you've lived a certain way your whole life, uh, you're going to just need that guidance and the knowledge, and it's available and it's out there. But I know one thing we didn't mention yet uh, was that home health care services for skilled nursing and physical therapy do require a physician's order. And so um, a little different than private care services. So it has to be ordered by a physician. They essentially write a prescription for you to receive home health services, and then they follow your care. So that's just something important to remember. If it's a benefit you think you would uh, need, that you definitely have to go and talk to your doctor about it. I'm gonna go to this myth and truth real quick because that makes me think <clears throat> that it says, uh, the myth is, I'm required to use the company recommended by my doctor or nurse. So they go into the doctor, the doctor gives them a diagnosis or a new medication, and they say, well, I've been told that I may qualify for home health, and I would like to take advantage of that. How do they choose a company? How do they know if the doctor who says, here's a company I recommend, how do they know who to choose? Talk about that. Who wants to start with that? <laughs> Okay, I'll okay. start. <laughs> All right. Talk loud because this is what they want to hear most. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So uh, you absolutely 100% have the right to choose any agency uh, that you would like. And it is hard. There, there are a lot of agencies. I 65 mean, we, in yeah. 73120 area code. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there are many, and unfortunately, they aren't all equal. Uh, so there's kind of a double-edged sword when it comes to uh, physicians and, uh, and hospitals and other people referring you to agencies. Uh, I mean, I would like to think that your doctor always has your best interest in mind. I think majority of the time that's certainly the case. Uh, but the uh, reality is, is that uh, some physicians do, do work for different agencies as medical directors, and then I think there is pressure uh, to refer to that agency. But there are resources available to you, aside from just asking friends, family, and loved ones if they've had experiences and, and good experiences with different agencies. Uh, are on medicare.gov there is a home health compare there are some numbers online uh, where uh, medicare and state are monitoring and uh, there's essentially a star rating uh, that each agency gets and there's some different criteria um, it's not perfect <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination it's it's a uh, place to start but it's a place to start so you can kind of see how an agency is ranked among its peers and that would give you a place to start. But I think even calling uh, the agency and asking questions specific to what your needs are uh, and what they can provide and their experience in it, it's just a matter of researching and educating yourself uh, to be knowledgeable about it. Go ahead. I will say on the Home Care Compare, it is about almost a year behind. And that still gives a good indicator of, a, of an agency's history, but that is not exactly what you're gonna to want to ask for. You're gonna to wanna to ask, what is your real-time data? What, what are you doing today? A good agency will have, be able to give you that report of their star rating today, of the, which you're gonna use, because we all know, a year ago, the management may have changed. The nurses may not still be there. So they, you need to, your needle now, how are they, how are their outcomes now? Other good agencies, the hospitals have preferred providers because um, in a good agency, most of them will be part of the hospital's preferred provider chain because the hospitals want to work with home health that have good outcomes that can keep patients out of the hospital. So that's another thing. Ask about the rehospitalization rate. 
because that, what is it today? How, how are patients doing on that home health? Those are very important things to know because that's the meat of the whole situation of the quality of care you're going to receive. They're, they get docked. I read an article a while back, and I think you mentioned it Tuesday, where hospitals actually get docked by Medicare uh, in the reimbursement if they have too many people that they discharge that come back within a certain period of time. And so that's why they, Jenny's saying they got to refer to home health care agencies that they know are going to help keep people out of the hospital. And if they do, then they have a higher star rating than those who don't, right? Absolutely. But even saying that, you do have a choice. So if you're in the hospital situation, because there are some hospitals that have their own home health companies, and it doesn't mean that they're performing to, to what some of us might be. And so they're going to try automatically to encourage you to use their, their home health company. I mean, that's just normal human and good business on their part. But you're the consumer. Take it in your hands. Do your research. And if you don't want to use a hospital's home health care because you know their outcomes are not what you want, then just speak up and say, I want to use this home health company. It's my choice. And because this is, I've done the research, I'm comfortable with them, because that's why you're here is pre-planning. Don't be afraid to speak up. And also your doctor, when you go to your, um, this, your primary care visits, your specialty doctors, your cardiac visits, your respiratory, your pulmonary visits, all of those doctors do sign for home health care for their patients. And so in that situation, if a doctor's pushing a home health company, you can say why, you can ask them why, or you can say my choice Dr. Smith is, I really like this um, home health care, a home health care, whatever the name is, and this is why. Can, I would like to go with them if that's okay with you. Doctors are going to go with what you want for the most part, but if a doctor is very heavy on one home health care, they have that right too because they're prescribing, and they may say, no, Paula, I need you, this is who I use, it's on my license, and I trust them that they may be working for them, but it's still their problem. Your question is why? Yes. Tell me why you like them so much. And he may say, you at that point, you can say, you know what? I'm not okay with that. You can get a different doctor. Maybe you have another doctor you go to. Maybe they'll sign for who you want. I was going to say, is it just like a drug? Like if I want a certain drug, my doctor can say I'm not prescribing you that drug. If I say I want a certain home health, they can say I won't absolutely for that. Absolutely. So. But the doctors are going to go yeah. with what you a good doctor is going to go with what you want. The I'm issue is I fire my doctor. Yeah. No. The issue is customers. We we want to do what our doctor said. We're in that seat. It's a hot seat. Your doctor's there, and you're like you get all nervous, and you don't you just want to make him happy. Well, that's not good. We need to. He's there for us. We're paying him to to help us. And if you're happy with who your caregivers are, whether they're skilled yeah. caregivers or personal <coughs> caregivers. You're going to be more healthy. Yeah. You're going to you're going to feel better. So you choose. My recommendation is always um, an interview two or three home health care companies and personal care companies because you need you need to be a good shopper. So I'm going to assert myself into this because they can't toot their own horn. We're not here to sell their companies. That's not our goal today. But I will tell you that I'm very selective about who I put on stage. And part of it is I want to meet their ownership. I want to meet their leadership. I want to meet if I don't if I don't get what I'm looking for from one of them, I want to know who do I call next, right? And I've met those folks. And I'm like, you know what? I feel like if there was something not going right, 
I can make a phone call and I can either they either make it right or I'd have somebody's ear who had the ability to help me figure it out, right? And I think that means a lot too. So just be, you know, be willing to ask who do I talk to if I don't like what's going on and find out what is their culture in their company. So if the owner doesn't show up at your door one day because you've had a problem, then you may or may not have the right company. I don't know. That's why I have corporate entities sometimes bug me because it's hard to find who actually is the at the end of that. Who's where does the buck stop? That's what I want to know. Yeah, thank you, Paula. All right, so we've got some truths. Let me go back to my truths here real quick. Uh, all right, so this one is let's uh, we're going to kind of go backwards slightly, but some of you may be thinking, why would I even call home help? I've got three kids. They've got spouses, I've got grandkids who are perfectly capable, etc. I've got a couple of neighbors that are nice. And, um, you know, I, I didn't think that was that funny. <laughs> but I don't know about you guys, I'm not calling my neighbors to help me take a bath, I'm just not doing it. Uh, so, what the myth though is, I've heard people tell me, I'm sure you have, I'll just have my kids or my family help me. Um, Jeremy, you told a story on Tuesday that was very thought-provoking. So, yeah, absolutely. I was I was uh, a moderator for a support group, um, which included uh, it was for couples, and one of them had Alzheimer's disease, and the other was the caregiver. And um, during that process, we we got to know these couples very well, and there were two couples involved in that group, and it wasn't a big group where the spouse who was the caregiver actually passed away prior to the person with the disease. And so I say that not to be a, a scare tactic, but yes, it's a scare tactic. You've got to take care of yourself and you've got to worry about your stress as a caregiver. And it's a very real issue that can impact your health quickly. And so um, in saying that, as far as the myth that, you know, I can just get help from somebody else in my family. well. It's likely that your kids or even your spouse might still be working. They might have children to care for. They might have other responsibilities. You know, we're all busy people these days. And so our stress levels are high enough and then you, you throw on the burden of being a caregiver and that can just throw some of us over the edge. So one thing to also think about is, I mean, most of us in this room haven't been through specific training on how to safely care for someone, how to provide a proper, proper transfer from someone in a bed to a wheelchair to a commode, uh, even how to you know, clean someone properly that needs assistance. If you go through uh, an agency and it's a good agency, then you're going to have the reassurance that uh, someone's been certified to perform those activities. And that takes some of the burden off of you. So just something to keep in mind. Um, again, the, the yeah. stress is real. It is real, yeah. Sure. One of the things that's, that's very important that tags on to what he was saying is, if, if you know someone, you or a neighbor or a loved one, that's in a, a situation where they're not real healthy, don't feel good, we don't really know what's going on, and you have your, your neighbor, yourself, your, your daughter, your son, try to intervene. What scares me about that is, like he said, they're not trained professionals. So you may have one thing going on, and if it doesn't get taken care of quickly, it's going to combine and continue to be a domino effect to other more serious problems. And that's when the preventative comes in. We have to jump on issues. It's not if you're having a headache every day, if you're feeling dizzy every day, 
Those things mean let's catch what it is before it escalates to something more serious. And so that's why you really need a trained, licensed, sometimes trained licensed person um, to help that. Personal care trainers and, and the, the, the staff that Jeremy provides that you pay for, those people are also trained to say, to know at least this much. They're not right. That's not their norm. <laughs> Something's not okay with Miss Smith. Will you see Miss Smith again? Right. And so what they do, what a, a good personal care company will do, their caregivers will call either a, a family member, or whoever the power of attorney is, or say, hey, something's not right where they may, they say, they may let you know they need a, a skilled level assessment. So eyes and ears in the home are important when, of a trained individual. You know what's interesting? I, I've heard probably over the last couple of months at least a handful, about five, people who have said someone they knew had a UTI, urinary tract infection. And that looks a lot like dementia when it's severe, right? A strain or like that, yeah. And they ended up being hospitalized, and then sometimes they ended up with an infection in the hospital that was unrelated to the UTI because they'd been in the hospital. And then they come out of the hospital exhausted, worn out, tired, etc. And family members, generally speaking, I know myself, I, I know just enough to be dangerous, right? I know to say that's not right, <laughs> but I don't know why it's not right. And I don't know enough sometimes to go, maybe we should go to the hospital for that, right? But a caregiver at any level that we're talking about has got enough to say, you know what, that could be a host of things. Let's get it checked out, right? And I think that's a huge, for me as a, as a person, if you've got family member that doesn't live nearby and you aren't getting to assess their body on a weekly basis, I would want somebody to be able to do that, right? And we can intervene very quickly in a situation like that. We'll come in, our RN, we'll find out what the symptoms are. We can do a lab on the spot very quickly, get, find out if it is a UTI, and get and get you medications quickly. And they may not have to go to the hospital. And you may, and because, yes, because if it, if it escalates from a UTI to a kidney infection to sepsis, some people can, that can they die from that. They die from that. It's right. very serious yeah. if, it goes, if it becomes a blood-borne disease from a simple UTI. And we can catch that. That's why preventative is so important. Don't wait till you're too sick or your neighbor's too sick offer and courage and give and resources to get people taken yeah. care of. And either get them to the ER or have the doctor get yes. help. This also goes for independent living and assisted living. We can care for any kind of senior living situation. We come in there, we provide the same services in those settings. So it's not just in your home, um, it's wherever your home is. We just can't, home health care, certified Medicare home health care cannot provide it in a nursing home um, but that's the only place. Because they have their own caregivers. Because they have 24 hour caregivers, so Medicare and insurance won't pay for that. But anywhere else that doesn't have 24 hour licensed caregivers, we can intervene. And so just remember those, those key things. So Jeremy, you all can go into nursing communities, right? Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I was just gonna say on a, on a private pay basis, a, a caregiver could go, you know, relatively speaking, anywhere that the client goes. So we, we made a joke with the South group that probably not under an overpass if that's where you live. But you know, other than that, you know, you can, the caregiver can follow their client or their patient really anywhere on a, on a private pay basis. And so when you think of companion care, Jeremy, I think of if a, a family member has, uh, if they're married or they live together as a family and let's say the person has dementia 
and they're have a risk of wandering or falling. Um, a companion might be in the home as long as four hours a day or eight hours a day. Um, talk a little bit about how that looks in terms of anything from a minimum to 24-hour care. And most agencies that you're going to um, have contact with have some type of minimum. It's usually three to four hours of care, and then it can go up to 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Now, many agencies will allow you to go below their minimum. So you might say, well, I just need someone in the morning for an hour to help my spouse get up and get out of bed and, and get ready for the day. Um, so I don't need three hours. And usually an agency will do that. You just may pay a higher rate than that average rate I mentioned earlier. So instead of 20 to 25, you may pay 30 or 35, but it's only an hour of service. And so uh, that's kind of offsetting it. But yes, you can, in fact, um, there are situations where it might be a married couple and one member of that couple needs care and then it progresses to where two, both of them in that couple need care. And you can even have, again, the cost increases with it, but you could have a caregiver for each. So that's the thing about private duty or personal care is it's really customizable typically for whatever your situation and budget allow. Okay. Uh, last question, and then I will open it up to the group, and this isn't on my slide, so I just thought of it. Medication. You guys mentioned to me that uh, there's a little bit of confusion that people have about what, if somebody can administer medication versus give reminders. So, Jeremy, since you were going, let's just start with you, and then you guys can speak to that. Sure. So, in an agency setting with personal care, when it's a certified home health aid, those aides are allowed to do what's referred to as a medication reminder. And that means that the medication has to already be in a medication planner or dosed appropriately. So um, a caregiver in the home could remind your family member, hey, it's three o'clock, it's time to take your medicine. If it's in a daily pill planner, they could even hand them that and they have to be able to take the medicine on their own at that point. So another way to look at that is if there's a new antibiotic in the home and it's still in a pill bottle, the, the home health aid is not allowed via the state to determine how the person is supposed to take that medication. It has to be done by a nurse or another family member. So let's say you're in a situation where you forgot to put medicine in a pill planner. Um, in, a, in a normal good agency, that caregiver would call their supervisor and they could get in touch with a nurse that could actually come out and go ahead and fill, put that in the planner, or with a family member who could put it in the planner. So there are ways around it if you forget, but that's kind of in general, the medication has to be dosed already and the caregiver can do a reminder. Okay, as opposed to in a home health setting. Yeah. In the home health setting, as long as we have a doctor's order, we, all of our nurses are licensed, so they can give medications. If you're a new diabetic and you're learning how to give yourself insulin or check your blood sugar, our nurses can do that for you and teach you how to do that with return demonstration, maybe the next visit. So we can give the medications, but our goal is to teach you how to do it because remember, we're in and out. Um, but medication management is a big, big thing for us. We put a lot of emphasis on that and a lot of education on that because that's very important to your, your continued and ongoing quality of life. 
So that is the difference. A licensed person can as long as we have an order. We have to have an order to put a Band-Aid on you while you're on home health care. Everything we have to have an order. But believe you me, we, we get that from our physicians and we take care of you. Okay, so that brings me to this last slide, and that, and that was, you know, some people have said, I'm just going to hire a caregiver uh, to save money. I might hire somebody for $12 an hour instead of paying $20 or $25 or something like that. And um, I have concerns about that, obviously. I know people have done it, and they've done it well, and I have people that I know who've done it, and it's been a disaster. Um, who was telling me? You guys were telling me you went to the thing on, uh, on scams and fraud and caregivers, guys, you hire somebody off the internet, there's always a potential of someone taking advantage of the situation. Um, so an agency, what kind of process do you take people through that you guys bring on as caregivers? Sure, yeah, and I think a, a good agency would definitely offer a system of bringing someone on board. Uh, when you hire a caregiver through an agency, you, you should be assured that they've obviously gone through an interview process, they've gone through an orientation process, which typically involves a background check, a drug screening, it can involve, it can involve a physical, um, and then you also know that they have been uh, vetted as far as references that maybe they've worked for uh, in the past. Uh, most of the time an agency will also do some type of on-the-job training in the beginning. It depends on a level of experience sometimes with the caregiver, but then agencies also offer ongoing training. We're required to offer 12 hours of in-service uh, per year for our caregivers. And so, you know, you know that that training is happening as well. But then an agency will also have insurance. Um, if the caregivers are employed by the agency, then they will uh, be protected. If something happens in your home, someone's injured, if there's theft, uh, you know, or anything in between, typically there's insurance that an agency holds to cover those kinds of instances. Whereas, you know, if you hire someone off the street, that's not necessarily the case. You might save some money. I'm not going to sugarcoat that. But you also might end up losing quite a bit in the end if, if there's a, an accident and a private caregiver sues or, you know, if somebody steals from you. And so, uh, anyways, just things to yeah, keep in mind. Absolutely. Okay. All right. I've covered a lot. You guys have given us a ton of things. And I know the audience has questions. So, you ready? Okay. Um, I'm just going to take them, I'll repeat the question, and then I'll throw it back up to you guys. So I'll get you, and then I'll get you to answer. Okay, so the question is, do their services progress into hospice care? And uh, they can speak to theirs, obviously, just their own, and then if we might speak in generalities as well, you guys feel free to do that. Jenny? We, we will have hospice in about 60 days. Um, and palliative care program. Accenture is expanding services on that one. However, we do help that transition. We help you get to interview, like I said, the two or three companies, and plus there are several companies that we've worked with in, in, the his, in history that we know and, and have received from our patients, that they are fantastic. So we try to guide you, help you pick your hospice, just like we're saying, pick your... That's just the school bell. Oh, okay. <laughs> also help you plan for that long-term um, planning but we will be there most of the time the nurses if you're on a good home health your RN case manager that's been working with you will go out with you when the hospice comes in they'll be there they'll do a handoff 
which is very important to ensure that you have continuity of care. So um, we do, we're very trained in doing that, making sure you're on the right service. But you guys are headed towards having a hospice. We are currently in the process yeah. of purchasing a hospice. Okay. Kimberly, you guys are, yeah, we currently do not have a hospice, but like I said, we're, we're moving into expanding and I'm hoping to do that in the future. Uh, but same, same as Jenny, um, I have hospice agencies come in to the office constantly <laughs> because it's a big referral source for them. Uh, and I have a handful uh, of agencies that I recommend to patients. And uh, we've, we've gone out and transitioned with them. We've had instances where um, we had our nurses out pro bono for a little while just until um, our patient got comfortable with their their hospice agency. Um, but absolutely, if you if you find a good agency and they do not have their own hospice um, and, and you trust them and they've done good by you, they are going to uh, only Stay refer you to yeah. an agency that they know is going to give you outstanding yeah. care. Of course, Oklahoma Hospice is one of those. I know. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. we do. Yeah. All right, Stan, and then I'll get you. Hey, Barbara. Yeah, Stan. discharge planning and that's where again you just gotta you gotta be vocal and ask 
The other thing I do want to add is kind of a little sidebar, but it is very significant. The difference between in-home health care therapy and outpatient therapy. This is very, this is, you're going to need this. Um, in-home patient care that like um, Kim and I provide is, it's Medicare certified. It's your Part A Medicare that pays that 100% if you qualify. If, if you are coming out of an inpatient rehab or you've just had surgery or whatever and the, the discharge planners, case managers, or doctors pushing you to outpatient therapy where your Part B Medicare kicks in, two things. At that point, you will have a copay and it can get kind of steep day after day. And number two, it may be very taxing for you to go five days a week. You may not be ready um, for that. So you just might need, and you, you really are kind of still homebound, but there are programs that don't understand home health and or there's doctors that have invested in that Part B inpatient rehab and they want to send you there. Now what I do on those situations is get the patient back safe and strong through therapy in the home and then they can transition to outpatient if they still need it and are progressing. There is a, a step here. There's a continuum of care. We need to go the continuum and not skip it because it's not good for you. So again, you gotta know those things. And you gotta be assertive. Uh, and you gotta be and assertive. Yeah. But we, we, we handle those things if, if we get those calls and we, if we can intervene and help you navigate the system. But you have to get the call. But can, you got can I ask you this, guys? Can the patient, could Steve Meese call a home health agency direct? Oh, absolutely, yeah. We often get patients or family members call and, and then, so when you call the agency and you say, this is my situation, I feel like I would benefit, and then we'll take it from there with contacting the physician and say, we got the call, the patient's interested in home health care. That, we do that often. Okay. Yeah, it's not uncommon for them to call an agency directly. Okay, but you can't solicit them. Correct. You can't call right. them. They, they're welcome to call, yeah, but we can't yes. call or reach out to them. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's best practice is if you call us, we're going to navigate, tell you what to do, and be expecting a call from the nurse at the physician's office to give us the referral. We're gonna guide you through how to talk to your physician, and, but yeah. we want you to do that so that it's not a solicitation on our end because that's all subjective. They can get their hands slapped so, if there's a perception that they're out there marketing to you. Yeah, if you, yeah, okay. you call, we'll help you. All right, Barbara, and then I'll get to you next. Yeah, Barbara. structure outlined and it also details you know any kind of commitment as far as a notice if you want to you know stop service. Okay. 
Okay, I don't think we didn't talk about skills because you guys mentioned that if somebody wanted home health and it wasn't being paid for by their insurance or by Medicare, that they could call you. What are the what are the fees for that? How does that how does that get equated? Meaning doing self-pay for nursing. Yes, self-pay for nursing. Thank you. Uh, yeah, well that would be on an individual basis for the home health agency, but most agencies will have um, just a, a discounted per visit rate for skilled nursing or physical therapy or, or a home health aid if you were looking to do that private pay. And it kind of depends on if it's an RN visit or an LPN visit or a home yeah. health visit or if it's a... Yeah, so, um, so evaluations that are required to be done either by a physical therapist or by a registered nurse are always gonna be a little bit pricier. Uh, but then the visits to follow can, once the plan of care has been developed, can be by a physical therapy assistant uh, or by an LPN, and then those uh, may be a little less costly. And what is the rate for something like that? Just throw, give me a number. Uh, yeah, I mean, it varies. I would say pretty generally, probably anywhere from 75 to $90 for a visit. <clears throat> and then those evaluations can be anywhere for 125 to 150 for uh, the physical therapist or the RN case manager to come out and develop the plan of care. Okay, so you get the planning fee and then the hourly rate for the service that comes out. Uh, right, and so it's a per visit rate. Per if visit it's a rate. skilled, yeah. So if it's a skilled nursing or a physical okay. therapy visit, they're coming out and doing the skill. It's just per visit. You guys clarified that for me the other day. So thank you for saying that. So per visit, whether it's 30 minutes, 10 minutes, or three hours, it, versus yeah. per hour, which is what the private duty is, the personal care, right? Yes. Uh -huh. Awesome. Thank you. All right. Uh, I promised her, and then I'll get yours. Yes. Insurance, 
I've never had any difficulty with this. This is another just, step. Well, just, it's like another step they don't want to have to go through. I know. It but is, it has, but it is. Yeah. Now, as far as if you needed someone to help you with driving and, and those kinds of things, you don't need any kind of a physician's order if it's a non-licensed, non-clinical, you know, non drops, though, because they're doing drops. That's but if they were drops, yes, yeah. you would have to have the nurse, and it, it would still require a doctor's order. Yeah. Okay. Right here. Yeah. Skilled need? Skilled need? Yes, a skilled need. Is Alzheimer's, or let's just use dementia in general, is it considered a skilled need and is it covered under Medicare Home Health? Yes, it is. Um, like we both have behavioral health programs with dementia and Alzheimer's tracks of clinical care. Um, it is one that is a little harder to qualify as long because if someone has Alzheimer's, and after you've taught and set things up and they don't retain, we move to teach caregivers. But after we've got everybody taught and, every, and the, the place is safe and we've done everything we can, you're not really gonna continue to qualify for medical necessity ongoing by insurance. But we do get people going in the right direction. We train, we safe proof your house, we give you a good head start. We hand that care over to a caregiver. A lot of times we hand that care over, that care plan over to a private duty caregiver that continues to work the plan of care long after the certified home health care and insurance health care is gone. But we absolutely, that is a big, um, especially with new diagnosis. Absolutely, very, very important to dear to our hearts. Several of us speak for the Alzheimer's <coughs> Institute here in the state. Um, we sponsor um, support groups. I'm on that panel, I think Jeremy. But you know, the sad part about that is, in my mind, is that long-term, what she said, if there's not a physical problem, health problem, it's just cognitive, then that are gonna time out. And then you're gonna have private pay at that point. Right, does that make sense? Right, because um, they're not going to be able to learn what you, you know. Now, let's say they had a wound care issue. If they had a, a bed sore or a wound from any Ill, a diabetic wound or something that wasn't healing, which was a skilled need, they could still be there. But if they're healthy as a horse, other than their mind is beginning to go, then... That's a very good point. And the reason why it is so important to get that full clinical skilled assessment when someone begins to have dementia, again, that's the preventative part because we're trying to prevent the wound care, the bed sores, the falls, and the broken hips. We're trying to come in quickly when we identify a memory problem. And sometimes we have programs that, are, that have cognitive therapy that we put in there quickly, medications quickly on board, and it will slow that down. So that's why preventative is near and dear to my heart because we want to stay healthy, not have to get back healthy. I'm going to assert myself one more time because you guys know I do that, right? It's my show. I can do that. Um, and that is that I've talked to so many people who will not allow home health in the home after they've been diagnosed with dementia of some sort. And it's, it's a pride thing sometimes. It's a privacy thing sometimes. Um, there's a lot of reasons why people say, I don't want somebody in my house. But if you're married or you have a family member who is, is going to be tasked with your care at any point in time, please look at them and have a conversation and say, I am going to allow whatever help possible. Remember our new mantra, right? Because here's the thing I found is that I've got two clients right now, two good friends of mine who are in their early 80s, 
Their, both of their spouses have middle-of-the-road dementia. They're really struggling with caregiving, really struggling. They've got a part-time caregiver in there in one case. But the spouses are saying, I don't want anybody in my home. Well, guess what that does to your spouse? That means it's all up to them. And so get over yourself. That's my message to you. Because it may not be for you. It may be for them. And you're going to have to suck it up. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I was going to say. Uh, there are the cognitive therapies that are for a dementia or Alzheimer's patient, but a big part of the home health when it's an Alzheimer's or dementia diagnosis is just educating the caregiver at what's what they need to be prepared for, how they're going to handle it, how to be safe in, in certain situations. So when it comes to uh, home health for Alzheimer's dementia, a huge, huge part of it is just training a caregiver or a family member. Yeah, thank you. All right, I saw a couple of other hands. Yes, sir. Uh, if you are having home health care on a regular basis, um, would you ordinarily, uh, would anyone tell me have the same person <coughs> out so they can get to know the Good question. Bit, uh, you know, they yeah. understand the, you know, where they're at. That's a great question. And so if you have, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of one thing. And another piece of that would be, if you don't have confidence, Okay, so good question. So the first part of the question was how do you match people up and is there is there is there some uh, consistency of care, right, in the same person? And then the second part is what if it's not a fit, what do they do? So who wants to go first? Okay, those those are very good questions. And a good home health tries very hard to keep consistent caregivers in your home. You, but it is very, it's not an easy challenge for us because we have, our caregivers go all over. It's not like all one street has everybody lined up. So, and people do have vacations and people do get sick and they do go to educational. So at times we may have to put someone else in there, but we try, a good home health tries very hard to keep the continuity of care and your, you, you keep your case manager. You have an RN case manager who oversees your care even if you're not seeing her every day, she's looking at your notes, she's following your care, she's talking to your doctor, she's meeting with her, her teams. Once a week we have a case conference and we all meet on your care as a team. The other thing is, um, we have, a good home health will have a care team. You'll have an RN case manager and an LPN and maybe even a, a therapy group that all work together on that team that the RN case manager supervises. And that so if something happens and his caregivers, if something's not right, who do they call? You, you call and you ask for the branch manager or the clinical manager or, or some manager that's in charge. You could always call Kim or me directly. We're going to help take care of that. Sometimes it is just a personality difference. And we want you to have a caregiver you're confident with and that you feel you can relate to that's very important to you getting the best outcome. Which is one of the reasons Kim talked about giving notice and finding out ahead of time Right, yeah, absolutely. That's Those are questions that you're going to want to ask whenever you're choosing an agency is how do they uh, coordinate your caregivers? Uh, and again, like Jenny said, a good agency is going to be consistent with uh, the people that are coming out to your home. And that's important because 
uh, if you have a, a constant change in nurses or therapists, they don't know you. And so you have a nurse that walks in and she doesn't have any idea what your norm is. And so, uh, or where you've progressed from where you started to where you want to be. So I think that that is a, it's a very good question um, to ask before you even uh, get started with an agency is well, how can I expect this to go as far as the scheduling of the caregivers? And again, uh, we're a service industry and, and you're the customer. And so if at any point in time, uh, you're unhappy with with the caregiver, then you have every right, and, and a good agency will be more than happy to try to place you with someone that's a better fit. And I think if you have a good uh, relationship with the with the assessing nurse and the uh -huh. person who comes out, and then the the actual day to day caregiver may not be a good fit. I don't think you scrap the whole agency and start over. Right. I think you give them a shot at making it work. And then if you've done that and you're just you've thrown up your hands, I think you call that manager and say this just is not working. And, and then go from there. Yeah. That's a very good point. Yeah. Because with it, we are in a, it's, a, it's like a new relationship. They, you gotta get to know your, your, your staff and the clinicians coming out, but they gotta get to know you, your preferences, your needs. So it's like a new relationship. There may be some growing pains with some. Sometimes once those, those actually bring you closer, if you can talk through them, like she's saying, please call. Don't get resentful. Don't misunderstand some. Just call and ask questions. Yeah. Let, let us know so we can make sure that there isn't misunderstandings, that we do have the right fit, that you get over your insecurity, whatever it is, because it might it may be something and it may not be, but we want to work with you. It's a thankless job, really. I mean, think about what these day-to-day -day caregivers do, right? They're doing things for you that your own kids won't do. I'm just saying. And so I would say, and these guys won't say it, but I'm going to say it, be nice to that person. I mean, you'll get a you can kill them with kindness. If you're nice to that person, you're going to get a whole lot better care than if you're just a crabby old person. I know you don't feel good, but and when I don't feel good, I am crabby. Crabby, crabby, crabby. But don't be crabby at the nurse. Be crabby with your spouse. They have to stick around. Elizabeth, and then I'll get you over there. Elizabeth. Yeah. 
they get a bad um, UTI. They didn't catch it quick enough. That goes into a kidney infection, and then they come out of the hospital septic. They're back on home health again. There's not a limit to Medicare home health care, how many times a year or how long you can have it. It's all about quali qualifying and meeting the criteria. So that's a very good question. Insurances, Medicaid, some of the insurances do tap out with how much you can use a year. It just depends on the insurances. But most of them, as long as you qualify, such as Medicare, um, you're, you're okay. But again, those things, every time there's a need comes up, then we get the doctor's order and get the, get your, um, that you're gonna choose one of, a good home health. We check all of that in advance for you so you have no surprise payments. You know exactly what your obligation is prior to coming on. Um, and how many days you and have. how many days you have. And um, so yes, those are very good questions. Did that answer it, Patrick? Yeah, and, and then kind of the follow on is, does there come a point where someone has, has so many problems that you say, well, we can't handle Well, that's a great question too, yeah. Is there a point where you guys look at them and go, we can't provide that here in the home, you need to go someplace to a residential uh, location? Absolutely, kind of the same thing with the hospice conversation we had in the continuum of care. And CMS Medicare is trying, they want us, they want you in the right service at the right time. They don't want different services hoping on to you when you're not appropriate there. That's why criteria and assessment is so important at every stage of the game. To go into skilled nursing, there's an assessment and criteria. To have home health care in your home, there's assessment criteria. To have hospice. And we we professionals know every stage where you need to be. And it's our job to help coordinate your care and get you there or receive you from there. So we all work very close on that transition. And I think you have to be assertive too, Patrick, in that regard. Uh, you know, let's say you are in the home and they go, you know what, it may be better that you go someplace, right? Either to the hospital or to a rehab or to even to nursing care, right? And let's say you say, no, I'm not doing it. Just flat out not doing it. Then what? Well, then we're going to have, there, there's many things that can happen. And in the worst case scenario, I mean, we, you got, it, we are obligated to keep you safe. No, no, Jenny, we're going to play this out. You're, you're, we're going to play this out. Jenny, my dad's not going, not doing it. He says, forget it. He says he'll die here and then carry him out in a pine box. He is not going to a nursing home, period. You can leave if you want to, you can stay if you want to, but he's not going. We're not going to give up on that patient. We're, our job as nurses is to love them through that moment to, and people, maybe the nurse there has, there needs to be a different person talking to that patient trying to reason and work with. And sometimes it's just a process. To, to, to change somebody from home health care to hospice, it's very scary. And a lot of, so that's an example. A lot of them will need hospice, but we in home health care will hang in there with them because they don't want to use hospice because they don't want to let their families think that they're letting them down and they're giving up. But we explained those are myths of hospice. Sometimes you can get better on hospice and come back to home health care. That's the knowledge we obtain and need to have a chance to speak to patients about. The other thing I would tell that patient is after I loved on him and explained why it's not good for him, but it's also not good for his family. And, it, and he's in a dangerous situation and it's really hurting his family. There is tons of things dependent on that patient specific situation, how we intervene. So is there a point where you're staying and you're loving on this person, but Medicare says we're not paying you anymore? Because we aren't gonna pay you to love on that person because they have met their outcome goals? Yes. 
So then what? We have to let them know at that time <laughs> that there is paperwork and this is where this is where that one pay for our service comes in. After you don't meet criteria, you're not medical, you don't have the medical necessity, the skilled need, the home health status, whatever it is, you're just not appropriate. At that point, the family and that care and that patient may choose to sign the the um, non-disclosure form from Medicare and say, I understand Medicare, you're not going to pay for this. I understand the agency's not liable, and I understand I'm going to pay for it. We will have to get those signatures in that case, but we would let them pay as private to stay with him a little longer. And if they don't have any money? You know, the, those are tough, and that's where our compassion and our hearts come in, and we do everything in our power. Everybody in this group, all of these sponsors here, we call each other, we work, and we do whatever we can to, to take care of those patients and get into hanging there with you. You guys do a lot of pro bono stuff. We do a lot yeah. of that. And then you also help connect people with Medicaid, right? We do, we do all that. We, we are a business. We do want to stay open to run our community. We have a large workforce we have to pay for, but in the end, we're nurses, we're healthcare, this is our community we love, and we will all work together to do the best for that patient. But I will tell you, I have not yet in my career left a home in that situation. We always got it fixed. We got them turned over. You may have to bring a few people in. You may have to give the patient a, the chance to get out of denial and to accept, and get to acceptance, but you, we don't, that's the thing. Give people time because they all breathe differently. Okay, so I'm going to stop for a second because I know we're short on time, but I want to add one thing to what Jenny's saying. She's very passionate about this. You're going to have an in-home caregiver that's not trained like Jenny is or like Kimberly is or like Jeremy is. And that in-home caregiver at a nurse's aid level may not be able to have those kind of conversations. And my, I'm just my aha moment is that if you're having that kind of dialogue, if I'm having that kind of dialogue with my dad, I need to pick up the phone and call that office and say, this needs to be a Jenny conversation or a Kimberly conversation or a Jeremy conversation. This doesn't need to be the home health aide who's been doing the day-to-day. -day. Because that's a high-level consulting, counseling, clinical conversation, isn't it? Yeah, and also that's where Matt and these guys in the Oklahoma Health uh, Hospice come in and they have those conversations with people about what it means to be on hospice and I know you guys facilitate that as well. I, I think that was a great question. Did it answer your question?
about what to do with all your papers. And uh, I know several of our sponsors are doing educational events and outreach programs and all that. We'd love for you to visit them as well. Please fill out your eval, take it to the back, and, and give it to one of our team members. And they also have new schedules for June through December. If you have not picked up your new schedule, it's purple, long, go grab one. Thank you guys, appreciate you. Good job.